Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bible to Romans chapter number 8. Do you have your copy of God's Word? I hope that you do and that you'll follow along with me. And by opening your Bible, turning it on, and find with me the 8th chapter of Romans. And today, we're going to look in verse number 26. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to look in Romans chapter number 8, and we're going to begin with verse number 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Father in heaven, as we approach you today in worship and prayer and praise, thanksgiving, celebration, and faith, Father, as we look at your word together, with hearts ready to learn, we ask that you speak to us. We ask that you convict us. We ask that you confront us. We ask, Father, that you comfort us and strengthen us and renew us and revive us. And, Father, lead us to walk more intimately and closely with you in faith and trust. Many things want to distract us today. And I pray that, Father, today we would focus to hear you, listen to you. Our burdens and cares and concerns, I pray that we would cast them on you because you care for us. And, Lord, we trust that you will take care of us. And so our burdens, God, we give to you. The frivolous things of life, the entertainments of this world, they too want to distract us today. And I pray that, Father, we would set that aside and that, Father, we would listen to you. Father, have your way in our hearts, in our lives today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want us to look at this text of Scripture today and think about how the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. And so I want to focus on this text uh, and look at it from that perspective. If you were to evaluate your prayer life, would you take just a moment? If you were to evaluate your prayer life from a one to a five, how would you evaluate your prayer life? The five would be that your prayer life is regular, consistent, that it's intimate, that it is, that it's, is ongoing conversation with God. 
that you are you're you're you feel good about your prayer and your prayer life with the Lord. Or a one might represent you hardly ever talk to God at all. Where, where would you evaluate your own personal life in prayer? I think there's probably no other subject that causes such perplexity for Christians than the subject of prayer. Unless it's the will of God and these things are linked together, aren't they? And prayer is a great gift from Almighty God to us. Think about this amazing thought. We have access to Almighty God. Today, right now, we have access to Almighty God. And it's been secured for us in the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And He's granted unto us entry into the very throne room of God. And Christ Jesus himself is our high priest. Is that an amazing thought? Amen. Wow. Many, many years ago now, I went to Washington, D.C. on a trip. And, and uh, while I was there, I was teaching at an associational event about uh, missions and and they had brought me out there to do a, a, a thing with them. And during the day, I had some time. And every day, a man who used to work for the government would take me. He gave me a tour of the U.S. Capitol. He had access to go to places in the Capitol that not everybody gets to see. And it was amazing. I spent time in the Smithsonian. But one of the things I got to do was to go to the White House. And I stood in line with everybody else and had access to go into the White House but the president, I did not see. I had access to go into certain parts of the White House. But I didn't have access to go right into the president's office and talk to him. That was restricted. But think of this. The one that created this whole universe has given you access to him Amen. in prayer. <laughs> that is amazing thought that we can enter into the very presence of God himself through Jesus Christ. And we have access as adopted sons and daughters to his presence. So some questions we have. When we think about prayer, how do I pray? What should I pray for when I pray? Can I pray with confidence when I pray? How do I pray in the will of God when I pray? Does God always hear my prayers when I pray? What if I pray wrongly? Does, God, does prayer get God to change his mind? Can my prayers change God's plans? If not, does it even matter if I do pray? Now, we won't answer all those questions in depth today. But these are the questions, some of the questions that we have, don't we? And we have many questions, and we often feel perplexed about prayer. But we have help. In the arena of prayer, God has given us this glorious and wonderful help in prayer.
And that help is the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And he helps us in our prayer life. If you look with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit is helping us. And there's great truths that are found here in the same way. First of all, this is the priority of prayer as we're outlining it today. Notice he says, in the same way. Now, this is a connecting phrase, right? And so it would connect, you would think, to the words right before it. And indeed, that is a good interpretation. In these immediate preceding verses, he's talking about our hope that's provided by the promise of the redemption of our bodies in the midst of our suffering and groaning, that the Lord is with us. The whole creation, verse 22, has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, we ourselves have the Spirit as the first fruits. First fruits. We groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? And if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. The theme there is God, the hope that the Lord has given us and the hope of the future full restoration of God's children in this broken, fallen world and that the presence of the Holy Spirit is aiding us and praying for us. Of course, this is a very valid interpretation, but Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a great preacher and scholar, likes to think of these verses in verse 26 is going back to a preceding section in Paul's teaching where he talks about prayer. In verse number 15, he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are the children of God. (laughs) If children also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. In this great passage has to do with the assurance of our salvation that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, that you are adopted as God's children, and that the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you. And he has given us the spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Abba, Daddy, Father. We cry out, we pray to God as our Father. And very intimate word, Daddy, Our Father, we, listen, my friends, when we pray, we have access to a heavenly Father. We were taught to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He is our Father. We are his children. We have been adopted. We have been adopted and we have access to him because he's given us the spirit of adoption. Amen?
We have, we have been given access to the very presence of God. Isn't that amazing? We have God as our Father. Tell your neighbor, you have God as your Father. He's your Father. Yeah. Now, if I'm in a meeting and my door is closed, which often the case, and let's just imagine that my door burst open, and when it burst open, one of my little granddaughters walk into my office. And I'm sitting there in that meeting, and that my let's just say it's Evie. And Evie, she's not looking at anybody else. She's not carried about a meeting. She's just running right to Papa. Do you think, what, you think I'm going to scorn her? And say, Evie, didn't you see the doors locked? Get, get, shut, you get back out of here. No, 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 no. When she comes in that room and says, Papa, you know what I'm doing? Dropping the meeting clothes for a minute. I got my arms open. Come on, baby. What do you want? And she crawls up in my arms. And for that minute, my attention is with her. Why? Because I love her. Amen. And she loves me. And God has saved you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. He has written your name in his hand. He has you on his heart, and you are adopted as a child, and he loves you. And when you approach him in prayer, I'm telling you, you have confidence to come to him in prayer. Amen? Amen. Access to him. So when you pray, he hears you. He loves you. And he welcomes you. So we're to pray continuously. It, the, the scripture says that in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, that we are to pray without ceasing. But not only continuously, we pray confidently. We are able to boldly a throne, uh, approach his throne. The spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit intercedes with us with inexpressible groanings. He will, we have confidence to enter his throne room in prayer. Later on, Paul will write in verse number 31, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with us, with him, grant us everything? God wants to take, he cares about you, wants to take care of you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, boldly, so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Prayer should be the priority for us as believers. Now, what's the problem in prayer? Let's talk about the problem. The problem in our, in our prayers, why don't we pray confidently? Good question. Well, first of all, sin becomes a problem, doesn't it? And it's a barrier in our relationship with the Lord whenever we harbor sin in our life. In, in, Proverbs, in Psalm 66, verse 18, if I've been aware of malice in my heart, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. However, God has listened and he's paid attention to the sound of my prayer. 
Here's a barrier. When we regard iniquity, when we hang on to sin, when we refuse to forgive, when we coddle malice in our life and harbor resentment and refuse to forgive, then this becomes a barrier. And when you come to bring your needs and burdens and cares and concerns to the Lord in prayer, you can almost hear the Spirit saying to us, but before we talk about this issue you're bringing to me in prayer, let's talk about this problem going on inside of you. Amen. This is why prayer is so important. One of the reasons. Because it's a spiritual check. Because when we approach him with our knees, if we approach him honestly, we must open our heart honestly. Amen. And God does business with stuff in us so that we might be walk rightly before him. Amen? Amen. And so this is why we avoid prayer. Real, intimate prayer. We avoid it because we know there's unconfessed junk in our life that needs to be dealt with. And this is what we do. We substitute prayer for ritual. And we go through the rituals, but not real prayer. And so our praying is distant and it's not intimate. The other thing that we do is we substitute praying, real intimate prayer, with something else that sounds like prayer, but it's not prayer. The asking for prayer. And we ask other people, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? We gather other people and say, will you pray? But we don't ourselves pray. Because we know there's something in our life that's not right. Hmm. You pray. God has given you this most glorious and wonderful gift. He's adopted you as a son. Come to his throne of grace and find help in time of need. Come, confess your sins, confess your love, confess that he is your all in all, and come to him honestly and boldly and conversationally and with awe and find grace in your life. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before him. Amen. But when there's condemnation, we don't come with confidence. Let's come before him with confidence. Isaiah chapter 59, very similar theme. If you'll look with me to verse 1, indeed, the Lord's arm's not too weak to save and his ear not too deaf to hear. You see, there's no problem on God's ability. And there's no problem with God's presence. Here's the problem. Verse 2. But your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not listen. God's not going to be used like that. God wants you. He wants a real relationship with you. Let me say something. Listen. God's not a cosmic bending machine. Amen. 
that you have to put your quarters in in just the right order, and then you push the buttons that you want, and now God has to give you what you want. And if it doesn't come off the hook quite right, you shake the machine, and you hope that it comes out. That's not what God wants in his relationship with you. He loves you. Christ died for you. He wants a real relationship with you in prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Second problem is the neglect of prayer. We neglect it. You do not have because you do not ask, the Bible says in James. See, we do more talking about praying than actually praying. We solicit prayers. We put names on prayer lists. We text out a prayer need. But do we pray? That's not the same. Isaiah 64 verse 7 says, And there is no one who calls on thy name, who arouses himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hidden thy face from us, and has delivered us into the power of our iniquities. The prophet is saying that we have this awesome gift, but when neglected, it leaves us vulnerable and weak and captive to sin. He said, there's no one who calls on thy name, who arouses himself to take hold of thee. My friends, God's given you prayer. Arouse yourself. Let's wake up. God loves you. Christ died for you. You have access to the throne room. Let's honestly come before him and bring our needs in honest prayer before God. And he will hear. He will forgive. He will heal. He will comfort. He will console. He will do. He will work. Amen. Another barrier or problem is the selfishness problem. James 4.3 says, You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend it on your pleasures. He said, Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity toward God? He said, don't be an adulteress in your relationship with God. And so, so often our prayers are also me-centered, self-centered. I don't want a better life, better health, better things, better money, more bank, more toys, more luxury. Well, the gospel's not even heard in the fast Regions of our world. My friends, when your heart grows close to God in prayer and in His Word and the Holy Spirit's working, our prayers become more aligned to the will of God. And there's power in our prayer. Amen? Weakness is a problem. Back to our text. Notice Paul says in Romans 8, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Here it's really a lack of understanding. There's ignorance in our praying. It's not 
we don't know how to pray, it's we don't know what to pray, Paul says. He, what he's saying is sometimes prayer is hard. Sometimes we, don't, we can't pray as we should. And we don't know how to pray. We don't know what we should pray. Has anybody noticed that sometimes prayer is difficult? It is. Think about Job. Job is the most righteous man. Job chapter 1 verse 8 says, the Lord says to Satan concerning Job, he says, have you considered my servant Job? There is none on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. What a man. But calamity comes into his life. Great suffering comes into his life for reasons that Job did not know or understand. There was no outstanding sin, but this tragedy happened. It came into his life. It left, leaves Job confused, and he didn't know why, and he's grappling with why is this happening, and his Comforter friends thought they knew. They had no problem praying for Job. They had it all figured out, but they had it all figured out incorrectly. But Job knew his heart, and there were no answers. And Job just cries out, why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? Job is honestly praying, heartfelt brokenness, confused, not understanding to God. God can handle your prayer. Elijah was a great man of prayer and faith. He confronted, confronts Ahab and the prophets of Baal, and God mightily, powerfully shows up and reveals himself. It was a huge victory for Yahweh, and yet there becomes the threat of Jezebel, and in the exhaustion of Elijah and the threat of Jezebel, fear comes into his heart, and he runs away far away into the desert. In exhaustion and fear, he says to the Lord, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, kill me. I'm no better than my ancestors. That's a foolish prayer. It's a short-sighted prayer. God wasn't done with Elijah. But in that lowness, in that vulnerability, in that fear, he says, God! God can handle it. Prayer's not easy. Sometimes prayer's hard. Sometimes it's not always superficial. Sometimes it's bringing the deep wounds of your heart to Him. And God hears. God helps. You can be righteous like Job. You can be courageous and a man of faith like Elijah. But still prayer is hard. Our Savior was a man of prayer. You know, it's one of the amazing things. If Jesus found it so necessary to pray, why, how much more it should be necessary for us to pray? Amen. In the Garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion, three hours 
He labors in prayer, travails in prayer, praying so that sweat becomes as beads of blood on his forehead. He's praying. What is he praying for? He prays for us. He prays for you, but he prays for himself. Father, if it's possible, this cup could pass from me. Here he is in his flesh, a human being, real human being. But the God-man, there's physical limits. He knew hunger. He knew weakness. And in that prayer, he's praying. He comes to his disciples. He said, pray with me. Watch with me. He finds them sleeping. He says, can you not pray with me? Will you not watch with me? Pray that you enter not into temptation. He finds him sleeping again. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He travails in prayer until there's a break. And he says in that travail of prayer, not my will, but thine be done. Victory was secured in prayer. If Christ so prayed, how much more important is it for us to pray? Prayer's not always easy. But it's necessity for us who walk this journey of faith. Amen. What is the provision for our prayers? First of all, the Holy Spirit knows our weaknesses and he knows our burdens. Sometimes we want to pray and we say, well, if God only knew, God does know. And he cares. There's this some kind of myth that God is distant, far away, and doesn't care about the concerns of our daily lives individually. That is not true. Aren't you glad God knows and cares? Years ago, Bette Midler made, wrote a, uh, sang a song made popular. It's called From a Distance. It almost sounds like a hymn, but it's really an indictment. From a distance, the world looks blue and green and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. And from a distance, there is harmony and it echoes through the land. And it's the voice of hope, the voice of peace, the voice of every man. And from a distance, we all have enough and no one is in need. And there are no guns, no bombs, no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. From a distance, we're all instruments marching in a common band, playing songs of hope, playing songs of peace. And then she sings, God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. My friends, God is not distant. Amen. He is near. Yes, Lord. Thank you. And he helps us in our time of need. It says the word helps that is used here. That he bears our burdens. He helps us. It's a long Greek word. It's a compound word. And in this 
compound word in Greek that is simply translated in English, helps. But it's really much deeper than that. It means he's along with us. He's for us. He's in place of us. He holds up and bears with us. The idea of that word helps as he comes alongside of us. He takes a hold of the burden with us and he helps us bear it. He helps us. It's similar to the word parakletos. He's one called alongside of us. An advocate. A comforter. A counselor. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Not only that, he intercedes for us. In verse number 27, it's the most interesting thing. He says, And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Amazing thought, the Holy Spirit of God interceding for us. Interesting, in Luke's chapter 22, verse 32, remember when Jesus said, Peter, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. He's wanting to have his way with you and tear you up, son. That's what he's, that's not really the Greek, but that's kind of the idea. <laughs> and he said, Simon, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, you may strengthen your brothers. He said, Simon, he didn't use the word Peter. Simon, I've prayed for you. Satan's going to try to tear you up, son. And you're going to fail. But I've prayed for you, and I will pray for you. And when you turn back, you're gonna, God's going to use you powerfully. Now, here's an amazing thought. The Holy Spirit knows everything going on inside of you. And the Holy Spirit helps you. And when you're at your weakest and when you're groaning, he understands everything going on in you. And the Holy Spirit is praying for you according to the will of God. Can somebody say amen right there? That's awesome. And there's groaning involved in that. He hears our groans. He interprets that groan. But really, technically, this, it sounds as if the Holy Spirit himself groans with us. And our groans come through his lips, interpreted to God in the will of God. Aren't you glad you have somebody alongside of you? The very first piece of furniture that we bought in our house as a young married couple. You want to guess what it is? We lived in a furnished apartment. So the very first piece of furniture we ever bought after we were married. You know what it is? A piano. Why? Sometimes you're just blind in love. And so we went to DeCoin, Illinois, to a music store and bought a piano. And I still have it today. It sits in my living room. It was the first purchase that we made as a married couple. We lived in an upstairs, over in a garage apartment. 
with a spiral staircase outside. There was another stairwell from within the house, but this house had been added on to multiple times, and the hallways were extraordinarily narrow, and going up the stairwell, only two people, one on each of the piano, could carry it. And I'm on the bottom, my brother-in-law's on the top, and we're carrying that piano. I was much stronger and healthier back then. Up the stairs. And there was groaning going on. But I knew the groans on the other end were, we were working together. On the mission of moving that piano. I've moved that blasted piano all over creation. From that apartment to Texas to a rent house there and then to another rent house there and then to Chicago and then to Illinois and then to the parsonage and then the first house we lived in and then the last house we moved in. And I said, we're not moving again because mm -mm, I can't move that piano one more time. But something greater than a piano is the burdens of your soul. And you moan. And on the other end is the Spirit of God who's working with you, for you, and interceding for you. Oh, isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. What are some prayer lessons here today? We've got to hurry. Number one, we are all supposed to pray. We're to pray without ceasing. You have not because you ask not. We need to pray. Prayer is what God's called us to do. Secondly, don't expect prayer to be easy. All of Christian life is a struggle. And in that struggle, there are trials and turmoils and difficulties. But God is working in and through it all. And he's always working. Now listen, he's always working for your good and for his glory. Amen. So you demonstrate faith in prayer. You're encouraged in prayer. And you grow in prayer. Amen. Thirdly, realize that you, what you're doing when you pray. You're not coming to some cosmic vending machine who reluctantly gives you what you want or what you need. You come humbly before holy, loving God that's your Father. You come confessing honestly about your own sin and problems. You come worshiping him with awe and thanksgiving and reverence. You come before him boldly through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you come thanking him and bringing your burdens and asking for grace. And there's no shortage of his grace. And he hears you. He responds wisely, lovingly, perfectly, 
for your good and his purpose. Does prayer change things? Yes. You see, he has chosen prayer as the ends and the, as, as he has chosen the ends, but he's chosen the means and he's chosen to use prayer. And God has called us to pray. It's not an empty exercise. It's effective. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks he finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which one among you, if a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? No. But if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Prayer changes us. Prayer is an intimate conversation with God. Prayer transforms our lives. And the Holy Spirit is helping us with our praying. Be encouraged by these verses. These verses teach us praise team is coming now. These verses teach us. He knows us. He cares about us. He bears under the load with us. He intercedes for us. And he answers. That's what God does for us in prayer. Oh, 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 what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Thank God for that glorious gift. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you that you're with us and you're for us. You've proved your great love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, Father, if there's one person here today that's never trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray that today they might turn from sin and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Others here have neglected their walk with you in prayer. I pray that day they would turn from that sin and they would begin to pursue you, to know you, to walk with you, to have conversation with you, and to pray. Lord, today as we get ready to take the Lord's table, I pray that as we take these elements, the bread and the juice, the life and body of Christ poured out for us, that as we receive it, we will remember him and that how you've loved us in him and confess our trust and faith in him. 
In Jesus' name, amen.